This episode of Tearsheets Payments Podcast is sponsored by Quavo. With their flagship offering QFT, Quavo has created a chargeback management solution for issuers of all sizes. Hey there, welcome back to What's Happening in Payments. I'm your host, Ismail Omer, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Andrew Jameson, co-founder and CEO of Extend. Extend provides digital payment infrastructure for financial firms and allows them to modernize their payment experiences through the use of virtual cards. The firm's offerings include virtual card APIs, a digital corporate card app, and a card tokenization service. Somewhat contrary to the current fintech narrative that the existing financial infrastructure needs to be removed and replaced with new solutions, Extend says it's focused on wrapping the existing infrastructure with modern services to enable virtual card features and distribution capabilities. For that reason, Extend has partnered and integrated with major card networks, including MasterCard, Visa, and Amex as well as banks like Silicon Valley Bank and City National Bank. Andrew is here to talk to me about why he founded Extend, what need it serves in the industry, why more firms should be using virtual cards, and where he sees payments headed in the coming years. So here's my conversation with Andrew Jameson. Uh, so I am one of three co-founders uh, behind Extend, which was created almost exactly five years ago. Actually, on Sunday was our fifth year uh, anniversary. Uh, in terms of my background, I started my career early on working alongside SAP as a consultant, uh, deploying and focusing on really the financial modules and gradually got to manage sort of large-scale global projects. Uh, and I stayed there for some eight years. It was a small company. I was employee 52 and we grew to 700. Uh, before going public. And then I left uh, that experience to go to INSEAD and do an MBA for a year. And that created a great transition for me to go and join American Express uh, back in 2004, where I stayed for 12 years, managing uh, essentially on their commercial side, their B2B products, uh, and helping really going beyond T&E and looking at how American Express could help companies manage a lot of their indirect expenses. And that's a portfolio, which I really uh, doubled in size over the last six years that I was there. And, uh, and that uh, was, was really a really good growth experience because in there we bought companies and, and I had the experience of integrating startups, which was really healthy in terms of uh, getting to understand the broader ecosystem. Uh, and I left Amex in 2015 and took a sabbatical for about 14 months uh, for personal reasons. And then eventually got back in the game and made the decision to transition into the world of startups, which was not what I had ever anticipated doing, but ultimately is, is where I ended up. Wonderful. So maybe that leads us into the formation of Extend. So can you talk about how, when, and why you decided to create Extend and what was the thought process there? So Extend happened a little bit, a little bit by accident. As I mentioned, I'd, I'd left American Express for personal re- reasons related to my mother's health. Uh, and so had had the opportunity of, of really being able to think freely around what it is I really wanted to do. And Extend wasn't part of that journey at all for, I'd say, the first um, 10 months or so. Um, and then I started to sort of realize that there was an explosion in, in virtual cards. Uh, companies like Marketa were powering uh, a lot of uh, the gig economy solutions 
Uh, and I started to realize that virtual cards were at the heart of what was happening there. And then I started seeing Neo issuers, the likes of Brex, and now there's many more since then, Ramp, Divi, Spendesk, you know, you, you keep going. New sort of commercial card issuers coming into the game. Again, heavily reliant on digital cards. And it really got me thinking in terms of where, where was the industry going? Where, um, where were we going to go and digitize this world that to date had been fairly stagnant in terms of the capabilities that were being pushed out to, to companies? Um, and that's really what got me thinking and talking at length with, um, with one of my two co-founders, Danny, who's a very close personal friend of my wife's. Uh, and he's a sort of full stack iOS engineer. And so we started talking more seriously about it. And look at one day at a barbecue, he turned around and said, hey, why don't we do this together? And, and that was really the, the moment when I realized it was doable, right? I had certainly the experience of um, financial services, having been at Amex for 12 years. I had the experience of virtual cards because Amex bought a virtual card engine when it acquired GE's card portfolio back in that 2008, 2009 timeframe. So I had a sort of fairly intimate understanding of how that technology worked. Um, but I didn't have really the technical chops. You know, sure, I'd been an SAP consultant uh, and I'd sort of dabbled in code for a few months, but I was no expert in, in user experience. And that's precisely where Danny was an expert, building sort of uh, consumer brands, luxury brand applications. And, and that really gave me the confidence to say, actually, we can do this. I'm Finn, he's tech. And so off we went. And then along that journey, very early on, uh, Guillaume, who I'd known for a long time at American Express, had, had left Amex um, and really started helping us define what the strategy needed to be as we headed to conferences like Money 2020 um, and very, very quickly became engaged. Uh, and before we knew it, you know, he was interested in joining. And, and again, given his strategy background, his operations background, for me, created a really level stool for us to create a business, three people, completely different skill sets with, with little overlap, for me, gave me tremendous confidence that we had the right level of maturity and experience to really give this a good shot. This episode is sponsored by Quavo. With their flagship offering, QFD, Quavo has created a chargeback management solution for issuers of all sizes. The Quavo Fraud and Dispute Solution focuses on automated processes from beginning to end, allowing issuers to see a reduction in costs while also reducing their speed to resolution times. Quavo focuses on automation so you can focus on your cardholders. For more information, head over to quavo.com. So can you talk a bit about Extend's core offerings, like what need does it serve in the industry? Who exactly does it cater to and what does it offer? Yeah, absolutely. So, so number one is um, we, we are a technology company, an infrastructure company, uh, and we serve the traditional, the mainstay banks, the high street banks that essentially are sitting on legacy infrastructure that is incredibly resilient and has you know, incredible uptime capabilities. And by that, I mean the credit card processors and, and the card networks that support right commercial cards because we today we only service uh small business and mid-sized businesses and it, it's it's really understanding that ecosystem and seeing what was different between what the tools that they had and what was emerging with essentially the brex divis ramps and the marketers and realizing what was missing was a digital layer so what did we do we spent the first three and a half years 
essentially creating a digital wrapper over essentially the the, the uh, strategic infrastructure that the banks use, their card processing and card networks and other different services, and started to orchestrate a set of APIs over the top of them so that we could then create all these digital tools that the banks didn't have in their arsenal. And that, that includes, you know, really the way we look at it, four core products that we are in market today with. One is a set of spend management applications, uh, because what we realized is the user experiences for small business and middle market were really non-existent. They either had enterprise solutions or consumer solutions, but nothing for small business and middle market. So we have built out these set of apps to help with spend management. Um, two, we went and built virtual card APIs as a second product. So customers can use our APIs natively and can get access to them in less than 48 hours, which is good for these uh, code and developer-friendly companies that want access right, to, to APIs, not user experiences. Uh, three, we started to bring in these bank services, which is uh, the ability, for instance, to push cards into wallets, the ability to do sanction screening on virtual card recipients who are not the main cardholder. And then the fourth pillar was we started to build out this connectivity infrastructure that allows us through one set of, of APIs to connect banks right to the software solutions that businesses are running. So how do we create that, that essentially that connection point that allows software companies to code once into us and access multiple banks and for banks essentially who are connected to us to be able to connect to an ecosystem of AP accounts payable uh, and other uh, payment uh, solutions that are already in the marketplace being used by businesses today. Right. So maybe let's zoom in a little bit on virtual cards now. So for people who are unfamiliar with the topic, can you elaborate on how exactly virtual cards function, what their benefits are, and why you think more firms should be using them to make payments? So look, virtual cards um, are, in essence, a unique 16-digit number, right? So it is, for all intents and purposes, like any other credit card. The difference is it doesn't come in a form of a piece of plastic. It comes digitally to you, right, either through a phone where you can see access, you know, the card uh, through your phone. You see the digit numbers, the security codes, the expiration dates. And so the benefits there are the ability to instantly go and provision people, right? In as little as a few seconds, you can type in someone's email address and give them access to a card with a specific uh, and unique account number with a set limit of how much they can spend, how many times they can use the card, over what period of time they could potentially use the card. But it's all, the benefits are all about the instant nature of the access you provide. It's also about making sure that there's very tight controls over who can use it and also over what period of time they can use it and how much they can spend. And then there's the benefit of reconciliation, which is when you issue that card to an individual or to a vendor, you can tag that card with some very unique parameters, right? In terms of, is there a project associated with this? Is it linked to a contractor and a contractor number? Is it an interviewee, right? Or is it linked to a specific purchase order or invoice? So this enriched data then flows with every transaction that hits that card. So it means at month end, the finance team can very quickly allocate all of these charges right back to where they are supposed to have been, or at least know 
what was the genesis of those charges in a lot more detail than they have been able to in the past. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I'd also like to go back to another point you made earlier about how Extend actually works by building on top of existing infrastructure, financial infrastructure, rather than the alternative, which would be like trying to replace the existing infrastructure. Can you expand on that? And why do you think that's important for Extend? Yeah, look, absolutely. Look, I mean, the benefit here is having spent a lot of time in the financial uh, services world is you realize that, you know, the card issuing platform is just one of the platforms that the banks use to create this holistic servicing model for their customers. Uh, and the reality is the to try and replace those systems isn't just as simple as saying, hey, look, this, this, this other system looks better, looks sleeker, is more modern, because ultimately you have to tie it back into all of their customer service portals. You have to tie it back into how people actually pay down on, you know, remittances flow through. Uh, and so there's, to give an example, when I was at American Express, they rolled out a new uh, issuing platform. And over the course of 10 years, they spent over a billion dollars, but that wasn't the cost of the software. That was the cost of integrating it to create really that seamless experience for the consumer and, and for, and for the uh, commercial customers. So, it isn't as simple as, as rip and replace because that rip and replace strategy is not realistic, right? It's, it, it, the reality is people are now looking at abstraction. And, and the reason why I say that is I look back at my own experience at SAP and what you saw happening increasingly in the sort of millennium was companies realized that SAP was a phenomenal ledger, but they needed to build other user experiences. And so they started building digital layers over the top, but the ledger remained the ledger. And I think the same thing will happen in financial services, right? The ledger will continue to play its role. Tesis will continue to play its role. The card networks will continue to play their role. But what's gonna happen is you're gonna build user experiences. You're gonna build APIs and connectivity capabilities that essentially abstracts away the complexity. And the reason for that is more and more of the services that are being delivered to customers rely on multiple systems underneath. And to date, all banks were able to offer their clients were singular endpoints, which meant that actually, if I wanted to create a, a, a seamless experience, I as a corporate customer would have to go and connect to three or four or five different platforms, right? And so imagine you as, as in a thousand small businesses all having to connect to five different endpoints versus the world that we present today, which is, come and access essentially through one endpoint, all these services that have been reorchestrated and cataloged and now enable essentially customers to go and pick up virtual cards, figure out what balances are, cancel cards uh, and, and look at enriched data, et cetera, et cetera. So now it's really about streamlining that experience for these customers through either a user experience or through the APIs that we offer and allow them to integrate those APIs into their existing business services. Right. And looking ahead, can you also share your future plans for Extend? Like, what's your vision for the firm's future and where do you see it headed in the next few years? So, look, the, the key for us is uh, we're now integrated with seven financial institutions. We have a few more contracts uh, in, in the final stages right now. And really, it's about expanding the number of, of banking partners that we go and service. Um, and, and that's, that's been our, our number one priority for this year. And we'll, we'll go into next year, especially as we start thinking about international. And we will reach international uh, this year. Uh, we'll launch in the UK later in Q3 uh, and in Canada also 
uh, likely end of Q2. And so again, the international expansion will become key. And that leads us really to the next part of the strategy, which is you know, the hub and spoke piece I talked about where we connect a growing number of, uh, of uh, software, financial software solutions uh, back uh, with, with the banks. Uh, and so it's a little bit of a chicken and egg, right? The more banks we have, the more attractive we become to software solutions, you can now see one access pipe to multiple banks. So hence why the banks comes first. And then we start thinking about building that ecosystem where to, to all intents and purposes, we're like Intel inside, right? The machine, the brains that connects two distinct parties and creates a trusted network by which these different uh, companies can connect software and their bank partners seamlessly. Right. And I know you already talked a bit about virtual cards, but I'd also like to ask about what you see as their future in the world of payments. What are the opportunities? What are the challenges? What does their future look like to you? And do you think they could potentially completely replace physical cards at some point? I think the reality is they're already replacing physical cards in many instances. Um, the, the real holdup in terms of going fully digital at this point in time is all about the merchant acceptance and the merchant network. And so uh, with COVID having struck uh, back in, in 2020, what we rapidly saw, specifically here in the US, because the US have been very slow adopters of contactless payments. But the benefit is now that we've gone through the pandemic is, uh, is effectively all consumers didn't want to handle cash. And the merchants realized that pretty quickly and started realizing that they needed to change their point of sale so that people could increasingly move to that contactless environment where they tapped essentially their phone or their card. But effectively, the phone very quickly became a tool, right? You saw a big spike and increase in the likes of Google Pay and Apple Pay uh, and other uh, contactless uh, modes of payment. So the reality is, as the merchant ecosystem evolves, we will start to see more and more uh, contactless payments in different forms. Uh, and, and, and I think that's, that's a trend that's only going to accelerate. Uh, and so what are the benefits of digital cars? Well, the benefits of digital cars is everything can be controlled in an instant, right? You can control you know, the transactions with merchants. You can put controls over, then also going one step further and, and essentially how you share access to your card in a controlled and limited fashion, right? Be it to a, a, a supplier, be it to a contractor, an employee, an interviewee, you now have tools through which you can instantly provision or revoke access, right, to these cards. So there's so much more upfront control. And so in a way, you sort of move to a world where, do I need a corporate card? Or do I actually need to have a card that sits there that has no balance or capacity to spend until I request capacity to spend because I'm traveling to a conference because I need to pay an invoice or a subscription? Um, and that sort of creates much more immediacy and much more transparency now for the, the CFOs and the finance teams. And that, that insight is, is really meaningful to businesses, especially as you enter in an era like today, right, where there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And, and so the CFOs don't want to see surprises coming through at the end of the month when suddenly people put through their expenses uh, or essentially uh, start settling for invoices. So that transparency, that visibility forwards is what finance leaders want to have in their organization. Look, I think, I think for me, um, what's going to be interesting is, is how all of these, these different payment form factors are going to come together. 
right? We've talked a lot about virtual cards, but we also see now increasingly how, you know, the ability to, to move some forms of cash, right? So, so essentially push, uh, pushing cash to, to individuals, right, for reimbursements. We start thinking about FX. And for me, the interesting part about FX is, is how essentially are uh, the cryptocurrency is going to play a role in that space, right? Because of the efficiencies that you have where you can hop on a rail, hop off a rail and benefit from essentially an instant ability to go and, and move money from one location to another, uh, where you don't essentially get hit um, by the capital gains components that's currently associated with with cryptocurrencies, um, and how all of this comes together to create really a much more seamless ecosystem. And the exciting part then goes to say, okay, so if we do this for businesses, how can we also essentially create that digital ecosystem for the consumer? Because clearly the consumer use cases are just as interesting when you start thinking about you know, your kids going to college, your family that lives overseas, and you may want to be able to pay for things on behalf of your parents and have transparency as to what's being bought and where. So I think this is just the very beginning, in my mind, of, of a journey that we're going to see towards having, right, a better ecosystem, right, that creates more transparency, more immediacy around how, uh, how folks can, can pay. You just heard my conversation with Andrew Jameson, co-founder and CEO of Extend. You can read the full transcript of our conversation on the Tearsheet website. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. As always, thanks a lot for joining me today, and I will catch you back here in two weeks. <laughs>